Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. There is nothing worse than being in a place where you're not called. Sometimes the Lord says, this is not your ministry. So how can we know when we are called to a specific ministry? Join us now as we begin our journey through Acts chapter 13 with Cheryl Broderson. And now, here is part one of Cheryl's message, The Importance of Being Called. This morning, I entitled the message, The Importance of Being Called. I thought it was being clever because there's that play, The Importance of Being Earnest. And so the importance of being called. Because maybe you know this experience and maybe you don't, but there is nothing worse, personally for me, than to be someplace that you're not called. Have you had that experience? That you've tried to do something spiritual, in your own strength? I have. I I was going through this just a few months ago because it was a good thing to do. And so I'm, I'm trying to do this good thing. I don't know about you. I want to be so good for God. I just want, I was always that type of student, you know, sitting in the front row with my hands folded, you know, like I'm just so good. Love me because I'm good. You know, and I remember like the teacher would say, who knows the answer to, you know, I don't know, 20 times four. And I'd be like, I was that type of kid. You probably hated me, but I was there. But I always wanted to be so good. And sometimes I want to be so good for God. And I want to do so much for God. Have you ever found yourself doing too much? Had you're tired and you're, you're weary and you're worn out? I remember living in England and I was doing the Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night. I was teaching two women's Bible studies a week. I was hosting a prayer meeting at our house. I was doing a once a month brunch. I was homeschooling my children. They tried to fire me, but they couldn't. I was doing all these, you know, things for the Lord. And I remember one day just having this full breakdown. And I was in this, or this um, little hallway I remember getting on my knees and wailing. And I could only say one sentence. This is how gone I was mentally. Jack of all trades, master of none. And I don't know, somehow that turned into a prayer and a wail. But I was doing all these things. I remember Brian's like, hi, Cheryl. I'm like, jack of all trades, master of none. Because I couldn't stop. It started, you know, and it just wouldn't stop. And he's looking at me and goes, okay. Jack of all trades, master of none. And uh, he said, do you think maybe you're doing too much? Jack of all trades, master of none. And, you know, he kind of was like, Cheryl, what is it that God is calling you to? And Brian relieved me of every ministry that I possibly had, except for homeschooling and Sunday school, the two I wanted to jettison most. He made me keep. But, you know, I I found that I had to just 
I had to just find out which of these am I really called to? Which of these can other people do? And it's not my call right now at this time. But I know that feeling. And as I was saying just a few months back, I all of a sudden had all of this um, anxiety. I was just so full of anxiety. And I'm thinking, okay, what is wrong? Because when I'm frustrated, when I'm weary, I have to go back and say, Lord, where did I take a misstep? Where did I get in front of you? What's going on? Because you know, that's not, that's not what happens when you are in God's call for your life. It doesn't happen. And I remember just going before the Lord and just praying and seeking the Lord in my devotional time. And the Lord just pinpointed and said, this is not your ministry. And I said, but Lord, it's a good ministry. And I want this ministry. It still hurts that I can't have this ministry, honestly. It was one of these things that the Lord spoke to me. And he said, lay it down, hands in the air, and back away. And it was almost like, you know, those police voices. Put it on the ground. Put your hands in the air and back away. And it was so strong. And it was really difficult for me to lay this down. And yet, when I'm trying to hold it, I'm frustrated. I'm weary. It's not working out for me. You know, it's not like I'm even good at it. But it was just something that I so wanted to do for Jesus. I wanted to do it out of duty. I wanted to do it out of uh, respect. But this is what happens. We can end up doing things that God does not want us to do or have for us to do. And they can be good things. They're just not God's purposes for us. And the result is we have no grace. We don't have that divine impartation or empowerment. And because there's no grace, we're kind of mean when we're doing it. We're a little bit grumpy. We're a little bit resentful. We're frustrated. We're weary. And we even dread it. But I'm going to do it for Jesus. Because it's good. And I should do it. So watch out. Here I come. We get into legalism. Because that's what it is. Legalism is when we are doing what God has not called us to do. That's part of it. Things that we're putting laws and rules we're putting on ourselves. So we get into methods and formulas and rules and measures and standards. And then what we have to do because we hate it. We start requiring it of others because misery loves company. And I'm not going down all by myself. If I'm going down, you're coming with me. We do this. Come on. You know it. I know it. I've seen you do it. Well, not really, but I've seen me do it. (laughs) We judge others by these standards. We become oppressive because we're oppressed. There's no liberty and there's no joy. Whenever the joy is missing, go back and find out, what am I doing that I'm not called to do? You see, we all have a calling of God, a special calling on our life. We have the general calling All of us have a general calling. That's the first call. And that's, of course, to grow in the knowledge of the word of God and our knowledge of God and deeper in our relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. We're all called to fellowship, as it says in Hebrews, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some people. 
But we're to do it even all the more as we see that we're living in the last days. We all have a call to prayer. We're all to be people of prayer. We're all to be lifting up needs. We're to be praying for one another. We're to be praying for our fellowship. We're to be praying for our pastor, praying for uh, believers and unbelievers alike. We all have this calling to pray and to be in communication, talking to God. You know, I have to say right now, I have a problem with prayer books. You know, like books that tell you how to pray and what to pray. You know, I said to Brian, I have a problem with these. And he said, really, what? And I said, well, think about it this way. How would you like it if I had a book on how to communicate with Brian? Well, let's see. This is situation number 14. Dear Brian, you know, I, I want to use my own words when I talk to Brian. And when I pray to God, I want it to be my heart and my words that are speaking to God. This is relational. This is conversational. So we're all to be praying And we're all to be walking in obedience to God, according to the principles of the word of God. But there is a specific calling that each of us have from God. This refers to our spiritual vocation, our spiritual gifting, kind of the thing that God's going to give us as our speciality. The thing that we're going to do that's just going to be unique. I love how Jesus has pet names for all the disciples. You know, um, Simon became Peter, Rocky, John and James, sons of thunder. Jesus had these special names. I love it how Saul became Paul, the little one, in God's sight. And he's got these special names. Even so, he has a special calling. And these names often reflect the calling that God has for us on our lives. The apex of the Christian life is to hear the call of God and walk in it. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. He said, not that I have yet apprehended. Here's Paul who's established all these churches, evangelized, we're studying about him. And when he began to really feel that call to go out. But here he is writing this epistle to Philippians from a jail where you might say it's over for Paul. He's in prison now for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's saying, it's not over. If it's over, it's great. But I don't think it's over because I haven't yet done everything that the Lord has for me. And he says, this one thing I do, I want to apprehend that. I want to grasp for which Christ Jesus has apprehended me. I don't want to miss one purpose that God intended for me. My mother used to have this little cartoon on her mirror in her um, bedroom. And it said, God put me on this earth to do a specific number of things. I'm so far behind, I'm going to live forever. (laughs) But when we walk in the specific call that God has, this specialty, this vocation, this gifting, the result is grace. It's the sufficiency for everything that's needed or required. It's divine provision mentally, physically, and emotionally. It's where people go, I don't know how you do it. How do you walk through that Red Sea? How do you get through those wildernesses? How do you go into those hospital rooms? How do you homeschool those children? How do you raise those children? How do you do it? And you could say, not I, but God. It's the grace of God as I'm walking in the calling. There's also a joy. There's an exhilaration and self-discovery. Like, I 
Love this. I was talking to Sue Peterson, who works with the Red Wagon Ministry. She ministers to the homeless. That's not my call. I'll just let you know right now. I can watch people minister to the homeless. It's not the call for all of us, is it? But it's her call. She loves it. She is so excited about ministering to the homeless. And there are others have been called to that. They get exhilarated by it. Honestly, I love ministering to children. I love getting on their level. I love talking to them. I love teaching Sunday school. I love reading to them. I've had people go, how do you do it? I'm like, I love it. It's like my favorite thing to do or throw pennies in fountains with children. That is a calling. There's also this sense of freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty for all. There's this sense of absolute freedom as if you can't go wrong. I am so called to this that I can't make a wrong move because God's so in it, so directing, so all over this thing. There's so much liberty. And that leads us to confidence. The confidence because I'm called to this. I have this boldness because this is the call. This is what I was created for. Of course, part of the call in my life is to be married to Brian Broderson. I love that call. I love that man. He said the other day, I'm getting old. I'm like, no, you just look more like Cary Grant. (laughs) I love him more, I think, as an old man than a young man. And I sure was wild about him as a young man. But I like this old guy. I love where every crevice falls on his face. I love his his tummy, which he's trying to get rid of. I like it. You know, I just, I'm so called to be his wife. You know, you're called to be your husband's wife. And isn't that great? Because if you know you're in a calling, you know any other woman would fail in this position. This is my calling. This is my man. It's just such a great calling. You know, it gives me such confidence when I'm dealing with my kids and their issues because I was called to this. I share their DNA. I am up to this. I was called to this. In Acts chapter 13, we see four things. We see preparation for the specific call of God. We see the purpose of God's call on Paul and Barnabas' life, just like there's going to be a specific purpose that God has in his calling on you. Their purpose is unique, even as the calling is unique. You see the procedure, because all of us, when we are called, there's going to be a unique procedure or way to do the call. And finally, we're going to see the power in the call. And it's the same power for all of us, the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we look at the preparation for this call, it begins with the right atmosphere. You've got to be in the right atmosphere to hear the call of God. I remember years ago, before we went to England, Brian and I had a specific day of the week that we would fast for England. We didn't think that we were the people that were called for England. We just knew somebody was. So we were fasting that the Lord would raise up those people. So every Thursday, we had a prayer meeting at our house, and anybody who wanted to could come to this prayer meeting, and we could pray for England. And it was at that prayer meeting that the Lord began to say, separate Cheryl and Brian. We're like, no, 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 wrong names (laughs) for the ministry that I have called them. But I remember there was this other couple, and they weren't 
feeling called to England, but I remember they were like, we're fasting every Thursday too. And man, it's so hard. We're drinking hot chocolate. We're watching videos. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not what you do on a fast. I mean, the hot chocolate I don't care about, but the, you don't watch videos. You, you do spiritual activity. The reason you're going without food is so that you can pray. So you can seek the Lord more. You're giving up that time and that preoccupation to concentrate on the Lord. Your hunger is to prompt you to pray. You're not supposed to ignore the hunger. You're to use it as a prompting to pray. You're to pray that others will hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ and for righteousness. So you have to be in the right atmosphere. And we find that Paul and Barnabas were in the right atmosphere. They were in the church of Antioch. And this church in Antioch was the perfect atmosphere. One, it was a multicultural church. Oh my goodness, it was preparing them for the different cultures that they would go into all over the world. You had Simeon, who was from Africa. You had Lucius, who was from Cyrene. You had Paul, who was a rabbi from um, Damascus. You had Barnabas, the Levite from Cyprus. You had Menane, a childhood companion of Herod the Tetrarch. So there's all different cultures. You had a, a culture from the upper class. You had the culture from Africa. You had the culture from Cyrene. You had the Jewish culture. But not only that, this atmosphere was an atmosphere of Christ-likeness because we're told in Acts chapter eleven twenty six that it was here in Antioch that believers were first called Christians or Christ-like or Christ-bearers, the bearers of Christ. So here in this church, they were behaving like Jesus. Next, you had a growing church. It was thriving. In Acts 11.21, we're told that the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. In Acts 11.24, we're told in a great many people were added to the Lord. So you have this growing atmosphere where the gospel is prospering. You have maturity in the faith. As we see that those in the church who are being saved were not just staying like we're saved, but they were becoming prophets and teachers. They were being raised up. And in the atmosphere of the church, we're to be receiving those spiritual gifts and begin to operate in those giftings, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, for the equipping of the body of Christ, for the edifying of the body of Christ in love. We see that it was a ministering church. They were interested in ministering to those in Jerusalem, to giving them relief from the famine that was coming, and that they ministered to the Lord in prayer and fasting. Not only was it the right atmosphere, but they were involved in the right activity. And the right activity is crucial to the preparation to hear and walk in the call of God. We find that this church in Antioch was in the word, teachers, which means there's an emphasis on knowing the word of God, communicating the word of God. They were in fellowship again. They were meeting with one another. They were praying together. They also had the activity of praying and fasting or waiting on the Lord. There were prophets who listened to hear the word of the Lord and then let God's word 
and his will be known. They were attentive to God's word. So this was an obedient fellowship and attentiveness to the word of God or obedience to the word of God is crucial. You know, Jesus said, or actually it was James, Jesus through James, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. And there are believers who are only hearers of the word. James said those who are hearers of the word and not doers of the world are self-deceived. He said they're like those who look in a mirror and forget what they saw. Now, I don't know about you. I'm 53, almost 54. But when I look in the mirror, it's for self-correction. I'm doing this. Anything between my teeth? You know, it's the mascara on the eyelashes and not the cheekbones. I'm looking for things like that. Did the lipstick miss the lips and hit the teeth only? These are the things I'm looking for. Are their hairs out of place? It's self-correction. It's no longer any thought of admiration. Might have been when I was younger. Like, hey, hey, let's go. But not now. (laughs) Now now it's all self-correction. And maybe a little cover-up, too. Oh, let's get rid of that thing, or let's cover that. But that's what the Word of God is supposed to do. It's to be self-correcting. It's to help us, to improve us. We're to look at the Word of God and say, this is where I fall short. So Holy Spirit, come in and do this work in me. This is what I need to do. This is where I need to move out. That's what the word of God does. We hear that in this church in Antioch, Agabus, who was a prophet, declared that there would be a worldwide famine. The people in this church didn't go, oh, that's nice. Or, oh, how sad. Or, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, when they heard that, they believed it and they started a collection right away. They started putting aside for it. And they put aside and put aside and began to send relief to the church in Jerusalem. Years ago, Bob Caldwell, who is uh, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Boise, he was telling us that he was ministering in India. And they had this prayer meeting among the, the pastors in India. And during the course of the prayer meeting, a word was given. Get your financial books in order. Get them in order. Put everything in order and give an account for everything you have and every dime you spend. And so Bob says, I really feel like that's the Lord. And so he really exhorted all those pastors to obey. Those pastors went back to their churches and they got all their books in order, perfect order. About uh, two or three months later, India all of a sudden decided to crack down on all the Christian churches. And they required that all the churches in India give up their financial records to the government. All these churches were closed down because their financial records, India accused them of fraud through a lot of pastors in prison and jail. But the Calvary Chapel pastors that were attentive and obeyed the word of God, they not only were spared But they were also honored. You see, this church said, God said it, we're doing it. God spoke it, we're going to do it. They acted on the word of God. 
When God spoke and said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them, there was no hesitation. They heard the now. And immediately they begin to pray and fast for Saul and Barnabas. Let me just say here that part of the preparation was also separation. That will always be part of God's preparation. God's call will always involve the leaving of something to go on. If you remember in Matthew chapter 4, Peter had to leave his nets, Peter and Andrew. James and John had to leave their father and their boats. Later, we find that Matthew had to leave behind his tax collection booth and his vocation. There is this sense of separation. The apex of the Christian life is to hear the call of God and walk in it. Preparation for the call begins with being in the right atmosphere, an atmosphere of Christ-likeness and maturity within the body of believers, which stems from sensitivity and obedience to the Word of God and separation from those things that might draw you away from the Lord. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is The Importance of Being Called. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, Cheryl will continue her teaching in Acts chapter 13 with part two of her message, The Importance of Being Called. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.